We are in week eight of a series titled As You Go, and uh, we started this in April, and it feels like it's been a really long eight weeks. Anybody else feel like it's been a long eight weeks? It has. A lot of things have happened, right, in the past eight weeks. Um, may never be the same as we you know, knew it before that, um, but here we are together, and I'm happy that we're together. I believe that we are just scratching the surface of what the Lord has in store for us, especially just the, the idea of this series as you go. Um, we've been focusing on Matthew chapter 10, uh, verses 7 and 8. By now, I hope all of you have memorized it. If not, it's going to be up on the screen here. Matthew 10, 7 through 8, and this is in the Amplified Version. It says, As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And so for the past eight weeks, we've been breaking down um, just parts of this, these two verses. And, and I think the most important thing that we, wanna, that we want you to get from this whole series is that this verse right here, it's part of your destiny. It's part of the destiny of every believer. This is what the Lord has for you as a son or daughter of God, as followers of Jesus. These aren't things just for people with special gifts. They're not things for the uh, super anointed leaders, you know, of the church. They're not for one specific individual. They are for each and every one of us. We are, to call, we are called to do these things. Um, anyone who would call themselves a disciple of Jesus gets to do this stuff. This is how we actually display the love of Jesus to the world around us. This is like love in action, healing the sick, casting out demons, cleansing lepers, preaching the good news of the kingdom. That's how we do it. Jesus says in Mark 16, that these are just some of the signs, right, that are going to follow those who believe. In Mark 16, verses 15 through 20, it says, And he said to them, As you go, again, as you go, into all of the world, preach openly, the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. Whoever believes the good news and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe in the good news will be condemned. And these miracle signs will accompany those who believe. They'll drive out demons in the power of my name. They'll speak in tongues. They will be supernaturally protected from snakes and from drinking anything poisonous. And they'll lay hands on the sick and heal them. We're going to pull the snakes out in a little bit, so just be ready. No, we're not. After saying these things, Jesus was lifted up into heaven and sat down at the place of honor at the right hand of God. And the apostles went out announcing the good news everywhere as the Lord himself consistently worked with them, validating the message they preached with miracle signs that accompanied them. So that word, miracle signs, miracle signs, is the Greek word simeon, I think is how you pronounce it, simeon. It's also translated to English. It can be translated either way, signs or miracles. So if you're looking in the New Testament, you see miracles or signs. It's probably this word, Simeon. It's commonly used uh, in the Greek in that day for a, a bunch of different things. First one would be a sign from the gods. So in the ancient Greek, it would be used as a sign from the gods. It would be used as the official written notice of a final verdict of a court. It'd be the seal applied to a document to guarantee its authenticity. It'd be proof of a conclusion, uh, a standard for a group of people, a seal on a ring, a birthmark or distinguishing mark, 
an image representing something or someone, and a touch point. So that's what this word, it means all of those different things. And that, Jesus used that word specifically. He knew what it meant, and he used it specifically for this reason. He said, these are the proof that those who believe carry his authority and power to advance his kingdom in their everyday lives as they go. He used that word for, for that meaning, for that reason, for all of those things. You, that's on your life. You are a touch point for somebody to experience God. The seal of God, his authority is upon you. You and I are called to live as children of God, no matter what our job may be, no matter what we do in life. First and foremost, we're called to be sons and daughters. And so as children, we carry the official word, the authority and the final verdict, Jesus is king over all the earth. You know that? We carry that. Jesus is king over all the earth. That's, that's what we carry. And so within your spheres of influence, proclaim and demonstrate this reality. That's what we're called to do. Wherever we are in our spheres of influence, we're carrying this. Demonstrate the lordship of Jesus by healing the sick, bringing resurrection life, cleansing the unclean, and casting out demons. This is what this whole series is all about. So before I go further, I want to pray real quick, and we'll go, we'll jump in. So Father, I thank you. Thank you for this morning. I thank you for those here, those listening later. I just thank you for everything that you're doing in our lives, God. God, I ask that you'd give us eyes to see. Father, I thank you that when I pray, you hear me. And even as I started praying, God, you issued the command to send angels to come and minister to people in this room right now. So we just want to be aware of that, God. We want to be aware of your spirit right now moving in this room. God, I thank you that every single person in this room and listening later, they're beloved by you. They are greatly loved by you, God. God, I ask that you would baptize us again by your power, by your spirit, God. God, that from this moment forward, faith for the miraculous to follow us in our life, for those signs to follow us in our life, we would, we would begin to expect it, God. As we demonstrate and we share the good news with people around us. I ask that your seal would be upon us, Holy Spirit. Flow through us to bring healing and freedom to those around us, God. God, I ask that your power would confirm and it would be a message itself of your love for us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, this is week eight of our series, As You Go. Um, just so you know, I was given the task for both of the most intense messages in this series, raising the dead and casting out demons. <laughs> no, I picked those. I, I didn't pick those. I, they weren't assigned to me. I, I, I enjoyed doing this. Um, as I shared a few weeks ago on raising the dead, my expectations are very high, but my actual experience is almost zero. I have not yet seen a phys physically dead person raised from the dead. But even though I've prayed for it, I've expected it to happen, 
I've experienced disappointment. I've experienced discouragement when it hasn't happened. But that doesn't mean I let that stop me from pressing in, from believing it. Because if Jesus said it, if Jesus said it's available, if he said that that's what we're supposed to do, then it is. And so my feelings, my experience don't determine what the Word of God says. The Word of God says what it says, and I hope for it, you know? I wait to see it happen. When it comes to casting out demons, I am by no means an expert. Um, I've had a fair share of experiences, and it's quickly becoming part of my lifestyle. Um, But I'm still learning, of course. There's people in this room who have years beyond my experience, and I look up to those people and I learn from them. In our School of Kingdom Ministry, in our second school, we call it that the Alumni Discipleship Program, at the beginning of the year we set up partners from students and leaders together, and what we do is we, we call those impossibility partners, and we set goals for each other like, and challenge one another throughout the year to keep those goals. One of my goals was to grow in the ministry of deliverance. So I've been intentional about learning as much as I can. What that's looked like for me is I've taken classes, um, advanced classes. I've um, tried to put myself in any opportunity that brings itself available that I can. And I've just learned to read books and watch people. That's really how I've learned is by watching other people who know how to do it, do it. Um, And so that's just to encourage you, if this is something you want to learn how to practice in ministry, just find somebody who knows how to do it and do it with them. You don't need to know what to do necessarily. Just sit with them as they do it and watch what they do. If you're interested in it, let's talk after this message because we'd love to get you equipped. That's part of what we love to do in this church is equip people to do the ministry that the Lord sent us to do. But even if you have not taken all the classes, done all the stuff, you know, last week I actually went with Northwest. We took two full days to go through the integrated healing model that the vineyard uses and we use in Sockham. That was just two full days with their staff because they're re- retraining their staff on how to do that. That's two full days just like the basics, right? Not even just deliverance, but the basics on healing. So there's so much information to learn, but that's okay. If you don't know any of that stuff and you encounter a demon, this is what you do. You say, in the name of Jesus, get out. That's all you got to do because it's Jesus' name that has the authority. You don't need to know the demon's name necessarily. You don't need to know anything else other than the name of Jesus because his name has authority to drive it out. The Holy Spirit will help you on the way. If you need to know something, he'll help you. But by the name of Jesus, you cast it out. And we do that because Jesus told us to do it. I have a whole list of resources. If you're interested, I can give them to you. I'm not going to read them off now, just to save time. But while preparing this message, I asked my wife, Lynn, to help me make a list of some of the worst things to do when giving a message about casting out demons as a, you know, funny, funny thing. So here, here are six of the worst things to do when doing a message. And please laugh with me so for the recording. Um, so number one, Starting the message by showing a clip from one of my favorite horror movies. We're not going to do that this morning. <laughs> Number two would be wearing my new sulfur essential oil or scented cologne, you know, just so you guys could smell that. Um, number three would be picking a visitor, somebody who's new here, to come up on stage to use as an example. <laughs> Don't worry, not going to do that. Um, number four would be sharing in detail 
all of the stories about casting demons out of each of our pastors and our staff. We're not going to go into that this morning. Um, number five would be having the kid, one of the kids from Kids Church come in um, during the sermon halfway through, dressed up, dressed up as Reagan McNeil from The Exorcist. We're not going to do that either. Um, and number six of some of the worst things to do while giving a message on casting out demons would be starting the message with, okay, show of hands, who has demons? <laughs> and then I would run over yelling in tongues as I push you on the floor. No, I'm not going to do that. We're not going to do any of those things this morning. Well, maybe later during ministry time. <laughs> no, I'm joking with you guys because, you know, this topic could be a little uncomfortable for people, right? Like, especially if you have had a bad experience or you've never experienced something. You know, just discussing it, thinking about it, thinking about demons might be a little uncomfortable. Don't be uncomfortable. We're, we're in this together and Jesus has our back. Don't worry about it. Um, the matter of the fact is that actually one-third of Jesus' ministry was casting out demons. We don't think about that. You know, he taught a lot of good messages. He healed people. He, you know, gave instruction to the disciples. He challenged the religious leaders. But really, a third of his ministry was casting out demons. And his whole ministry, everything about his ministry, was bringing freedom to those who were afflicted, those who were under demonic influence, and those who were trapped by the kingdom of darkness. Right? That's what it was all about, setting people free from the kingdom of darkness. Jesus was known as an exorcist. Some people don't like to use that word, but there's nothing wrong with that word necessarily. We think of it in terms of maybe Catholicism, but I've actually met and have learned from a lot of Catholic exorcists. They uh, may have different terminology, different um, styles, different models, but at the heart, the very core of the ministry itself is setting people free from bondage in the love of Jesus. And so Jesus did this daily. It was actually one of the many signs that fulfilled he was the Messiah by casting out demons. It was actually one of the signs that he was the Messiah. Many of the stories of Jesus um, healing people included him actually casting out a demon before that person could get healed. If you reread in Mark and Luke and Matthew, reread those things, looking, when Jesus heals somebody, sometimes he has to cast a demon out before they can get healed. It's pretty interesting. In fact, there's more than 60 occurrences of demons and demons being cast out in the Synoptic Gospels and Acts. Throughout both, all those combined, there's over 60 different um, occurrences of that happening. So let's just bring a little clarity to the idea itself um, there's a few important things that we want to start with right at the beginning here because I know that a message like this can bring up a lot of questions. Um, so first and foremost, just clearing up the words possessed and demonized. Okay? So the Greek word most often used in the New Testament is the word, and it's going to be hard for me to say, I'm going to try my best, demonezomi, demonezomi, demonezomi. This, uh, which means to be under the power of a demon, okay? There's no Greek words that imply that someone is owned by a demon. So this is important, right? Because a lot of times we could think of the word possessed and it could imply ownership. No one is owned by a demon, okay? Um, when the King James Bible was translating, they picked the word possessed and somewhere that kind of, for some people, implied ownership but 
On the other hand, a lot of people don't like to use that word possessed. The word possessed is not in the ESV. In other translations, whatever your favorite is, it might be mixed. So just to clear that up. Um, as Christians, we are not owned by demons. But on the other hand, Paul warns us in Colossians 2.8. If you want to pull that up there. Colossians 2.8. Be careful that no one leads you away. That is, take you captive, captivates you with false and empty, worthless human teaching which comes from the ruling spirits, that's elemental spiritual forces, demons, of this world, and not from Christ. All of God lives fully in Christ, for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in a human body. Yet, and you have, been, you have full and true life in Christ, who is the ruler. He's the head over every ruler, every power, and every authority, over every principality, right? Paul is saying that this, He's saying that this is possible for believers to get <clears throat> enticed, to get trapped by demons, get trapped by teaching. And so he's saying, don't get trapped by this. He's warning him, don't get trapped by demonic teachings. There are many examples in Scripture of believers who are harassed by demons, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, and many verses where writers warning believers not to be taken captive by them. So the reality is, Christians, of course, cannot be owned by demons, um, do not... Demons do not live inside of you. you. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. If you're a born-again believer, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Demons do not live inside of you. Um, but Christians can receive and do need to receive deliverance. Okay? So just to clear that up, they, we, we do, we can, and we do need deliverance. What, what does that look like? Well, before we go into that, I just want to say that I believe that a lot of the physical healings that we pray for and we don't see breakthrough in, there's actually a demonic spirit behind the scenes that needs to be broken off, okay? I think that it would do well for the church to learn this ministry, and actually we really need to learn how to do this ministry, the ministry of deliverance, to see the breakthrough, that, the kingdom breakthrough that we're looking for. Not every person, not every disease, not every sin, not every mental disorder, not every single thing is a demon, okay? <laughs> Not every negative thing that happens is demonic, okay? Just so just, we want to say that right out loud. Don't go looking for a demon, right? <laughs> if there's one there, you'll find out, and then you're going to cast it out. But don't assume that there's something there. Ask the Holy Spirit. He'll show you what to do. We live in a world where human bodies decay, right? We live in a world where we die, we live in a world where accidents happen. Um, we don't need to go looking for a demon beside, behind everything. But when there is one, we need to get rid of it, and the only way to get rid of it is by driving it out. We don't counsel a demon out of somebody. <laughs> we drive a demon out of somebody. So just to get some understanding of the spectrum we're looking at, in terms of demonization, there are different categories or levels of intensity. Um, I've summed them up into four categories. There's more than four categories. I just made it easy for you guys, um, especially if this is new to you. I just wanted to make it easy, as easy as possible to understand. So this is not absolute, all right? Different people experience different things in and between the levels listed here. Um, there are curses. There's emotional wounds that may or may not have demons attached to them. So just just to understand, this is not a full and complete list. There's a lot more of things to understand here. So the lowest level, I would say that every single person in this room has probably experienced is harassment, right? 
And this is when a person is feeling spiritually <clears throat> or mentally harassed by something. They may not even know what the cause is. They might not even know what the pinpoint is of the source, but maybe they don't even know how to give words to the way that they're feeling. This is a low level of demonization. The enemy is firing darts, right? He's firing darts at us, hoping that something sticks. And uh, he may bring up uh, things from the past that hurt us to try to get us trapped in wrong ways of thinking. He may be whispering lies to us. Um, you know, at this level, somebody may turn to medication or coping mechanisms not to feel the way that they do, you know, because they just think, oh, this is a natural thing and I don't love feeling this way and so let me medicate it, right? That's a natural thing to think about. So moving forward is oppressed. And so that would be a, a deeper level where a person is feeling a depression, right? They are weighed down most of the time. Um, they're suffering a, suffering a great amount of malaise, um, they have need, their knee-jerk reactions, just things that tick you off, have n become like everyday feelings of like anger, lust, uh, rage, that kind of thing. Um, the enemy has found, what, ha what has happened here is the enemy has found weak spots and has begun attacking harder in that area in your life. Um, the lies that he was whispering before have become loud, almost to the point where they're all the person hears or what they speak over themselves, if you think about that. Stronger medication or coping mechanisms may be needed uh, when it comes to that, that space. Um, moving on, th number three is bound, um, for lack of a better term. At this level, agreements have been made, consciously, subconsciously. Uh, the enemy has really latched on and may be binding the person with chains of sickness, disease, all sorts of things. At this point, the person is starting to lose control um, at times, um, things that they don't want to do, they're doing, you know. Um, even if they want to change habits or addictions, they cannot without help. The enemy has taken more control and is reinforcing strongholds and has in, is inviting more demonic influence in. As we move further on the spectrum, you might see like split, a split from reality. So like what's normal, real, true, there's a split from that, so people think, starting to think of things that the enemy is giving them those lies, they're latching on as, as if that's reality. Um, there may be a failure in medications or coping mechanisms. Weird sicknesses, unexplained illnesses may show up. The person may up, end up hurting themselves or hurting others uh, physically. The person may begin to, begin to see demons in their mind, you know, see those things or really hear their voices actually talking to them. Um, and this is really the furthest the Christian can get on the spectrum, bound, is really the furthest. Um, number four would be fully controlled, uh, for another, for lack of a better term. This person is no longer in control of themselves 90% of their day, um, most of the time. The person will begin to actually act like the demons that are controlling them in their lives. Uh, the demons controlling them usually are speaking through them most of the time. If you've ever encountered somebody that's uh, very far on the spectrum, you understand what I'm saying when I, when I say that. Um, this is the far end of the spectrum, right? So here we have like serial killers. We have uh, like 
legion, you know, that demon that Jesus, the demons that Jesus encounters when he's healing that guy that says, I'm legion, you know, he casts him into the pigs. That's like this level, you know, on this side here. Um, Hollywood movies, you know, they're extreme. That's probably on that level there. Uh, split personalities where the demon, different demons are actually taking control, right, and, and controlling the person. Um, again, not every symptom in these categories necessarily means there's a demon, okay? <laughs> so if you read up there, something up there, you're like, oh, I might, I might feel that way. You know, it, it could be, but it, it probably isn't. You know, like, we'll find out. We'll ask the Holy Spirit to show us, but um, don't assume necessarily that, that that's happening. Um, when we're casting demons out of somebody at any of these four levels, they may actually manifest. The demon might actually manifest through the person um, while we're praying. And that's basically, they're throwing a temper tantrum. Like, if, if you have kids, you know, like, temper tantrum. Like, they don't want to leave, right? The demons don't want to leave. And this is, like, their way of trying to make you afraid. That's the, all the power that they have is over you, the person that's praying. Um, that's all they can do. And so, if you see a demon manifesting at any four of those levels, doesn't mean that they're on level four, okay? Like, there's a difference between like every day, all day, the demon's controlling them and I'm casting something out and it's making a scene right now, okay? So if you see that when you're casting something out, don't assume that they're, oh, they're at level four. No, they're not, most likely. Um, what's really happened is th there's things that happen in our lives, whether they're wounds, whether they're things we've agreed with, sin we've, um, we've entered into and, and haven't repented from, and those are like hooks inside of our soul. And the enemy comes in and he grabs on and like it's like on us and he's kind of controlling us which way to go. That's really what the best way to think about it. He doesn't live inside of us. He's outside controlling us with those hooks by those things. And so just a visual way to understand what's happening there. Um, no matter what the cause of suffering and pain is, whether it's a demon or not a demon, Jesus still wants to heal it, Okay. So no matter what the cause of the pain is, if we, we encounter somebody who's there, we'll weep with them and we're going to pray with them, right? Because Jesus wants to bring healing to the whole body, to every single thing inside. He wants to bring freedom. So from the time of Jesus' ministry in Pentecost, when the church was born, um, up until now, deliverance has been and, and always will be, hopefully, part of the church's mission, you know? It wasn't until uh, 1614 that the Catholic Church authorized the rite of exorcism, which was really just a model to do what they were doing pastorally. You know, it was a model to teach people how to do it. Um, I don't subscribe to that model. We have other models, and that's okay. Um, and they used that for centuries. Um, but in other areas of the world, in other denominations, deliverance ministry was active. Um, in the West, in the Western church, uh, especially as we get to the 18 and 1900s, there's uh, kind of a, a scientific understanding that comes along and says, you know, those things that were demons, evil spirits, they're probably just mental and psychological issues for the most part, you know. They're not really real spiritual beings tormenting people. They're just, uh, they're sick, you know. That was kind of the understanding and has been, um, by and large, the church in the West holds the idea that belief in demons is a primitive superstition 
and what was considered possession was simply a psychological problem. Call a psych- psychiatrist, not a pastor or priest. Um, but more and more lately, um, the church as a whole, especially in other parts of the world, um, even in medical fields, actually in psycholo- psychology and psychiatry, they're actually acknowledging the reality that there are people who are afflicted by real spiritual beings. They're actually acknowledging that reality. The Bible's true. Wow. <laughs> so let's talk about what's really happening behind the scenes, so to speak. Everybody follow me? No one's, okay. So we're, what we're talking about here is two kingdoms in conflict. Right? The kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness coming against each other, butting heads, and there's a power encounter that happens here. The difficult thing in the Western church is that most people don't know there's a war going on. They don't know that there's a war going on. They don't see the relationship between God and the kingdom of darkness and the devil that the Bible depicts. They don't see that reality. And they're only minimally aware that there's a conflict happening. And they think, you know, you know, there's the physical world of which we live in, and there's a spiritual world, and somehow the spiritual world is less real than the physical world that I can see and touch and feel, right? And so we kind of dismiss the things in the spiritual world as lesser, at times we can, but that's not the reality, right? We've talked about this before, and Chris Marsman talked about it. They're layered on top, and even more than layered, they're actually integrated with one another. Things in the spiritual world affect the physical world. Things in the physical world actually affect things in the spiritual world. So we want to understand that. We want to know that. Most of the church is insensitive to God's kingdom because at best they're only minimally converted to it. What do I mean by that? That means like, they, yeah, they've repented of their sin. They trust in Christ. They're going to heaven, no questions, you know. And now they're just waiting to go, you know. <laughs> now they're just on autopilot, live their life, and we'll be in heaven for eternity, and that's awesome. But they're unaware of, they've actually been drafted into a new kingdom and a new army. This is the reality. It's not just someday we'll be in eternity with Jesus. No, Jesus is here now, and he has something for you to do. And the kingdom of God, supernatural and natural, are not treated as separate realities. Right? Jesus died and resurrected not only so that we could spend eternity with him, but to get his kingdom inside of us so that we could advance it everywhere we go, right? They are not separate realities. They're integrated. In the kingdom of God, angelic visitations, dreams, visions, prophecies, casting out demons are a natural way of life. And they're some of the ways that God uses to communicate his love to people. By accepting the supernatural as part of kingdom living, we must consciously encounter the, enemy, the enemy's kingdom daily. We have to get in the mindset that, that we're actually on the front line in a battle, right? And there's no easier way to understand that we're on the front line of the battle than doing the ministry of deliverance, right? <laughs> like, when you see, when you're praying for somebody and you see a demon staring through your friend back at your eye, back, like back at you as you're praying for them, you know you're on the front lines of a battle. <laughs> like, there's a reality here. Um, Power encounters is what we're talking about here. Power encounters are the clashing of the kingdom of God with the kingdom of darkness. There's power there, right? Power encounters are far from limited to the demonic. They're, just not, they're not just the demonic. They may occur in, in many circumstances. Anytime we see somebody healed, that's a power encounter, right? 
anytime a prophetic word flows through somebody and we, we hear it and we are touched by the revelation and the truth of it, that's a power encounter, right? When God touches us with his power, reveals himself. Expulsion of demons is usually the most dramatic form. Um, power encounters are doorways to the kingdom of God. Jesus' public ministry began actually with a power encounter. In Mark 1, 21 through 28, we read that Jesus was casting out a demon in a man in a synagogue in Capernaum, and this created quite a stir among the people. Later that day, the whole town brought to Jesus all the sick and all the demonized people in the town. And he healed many, casting out many demons, and commanded demons not to speak in the presence of the kingdom of God, met the enemy head to head, and the enemy was soundly defeated. That story. In Matthew 12, Jesus had to cast out, he had just cast out a demon, and he was being accused by the religious leaders of casting out demons by the power of Beelzebub, I guess another principality, uh, higher demonic power. Um, They were saying Jesus was using that power to cast out demons. Um, But one of the most interesting things in the whole passage in Matthew 12 is verse 28. Jesus says, If by the Spirit of God I cast out demons, then you know the kingdom of God has come upon you. This is how you know the kingdom is here. I cast out demons by the power of Jesus, by the power of my Father. That's what Jesus said. That's how you know. Not a full church, not a great experience, uh, Sunday experience, demons being cast out. That's how you know the kingdom has come. The ministry of healing and deliverance belongs to the Messiah, right? We talked about that earlier. He, he, that was one of the signs. He, he's the one who came to overthrow the works of the enemy. 1 John 3.8 says, The Son of God came for this purpose, to destroy the devil's works. When Jesus calls the twelve, he's not just giving them a little bit of his authority. He's giving them an assignment. They hang out for three and a half years, And right before Jesus leaves, he says, I taught you these things. Now your job is to take all the things that I've mentored you in for these three and a half years and give it away to as many people as you can. Give this authority, give this teaching to as many people as you can. Equip them to live like me in every part of their lives. So casting out demons is a vital part of our ministry. It's a vital part of our ministry just as much as the, as the command to preach the good news, as to heal the sick, as to care for the poor. We need this ministry in the church. It sounds like a large number, but it actually might be an understatement. But I believe that 60 to 70% of believers actually are harassed by the enemy. It might be a low number, actually. I think a lot more of us are harassed throughout a week by the enemy. The enemy is targeting the church and sending their best soldiers against us, right? They're not worried about necessarily the unbelieving world because they already got them. <laughs> They're worried about us because that's where the power is. That's where the battle is, right? It's real. We don't win by pretending it's not real. <laughs> so we've we got to know it's real. We've got to engage. We wake up every day on a battlefield. There's a real enemy who wants to kill people, who wants to take people out, who wants to rob them of their destiny and identity. The enemy takes the things of God and he twists them, he distorts them. He takes uh, scripture and, and, and changes it slightly just to put people off track. The kingdom of darkness has been given authority by humankind, actually. We gave the enemy authority a long time ago and we continue to. 
but it's Jesus who has taken back the authority. You know, the God-man Jesus has taken back the authority as man. And he's ushering in the kingdom of God through you and me. We gotta know this. We gotta act on this authority. Our authority comes from the one who we are seated with, right? That's who our authority comes from, the one we're seated with. We're seated with him in heavenly places. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies, right? We gotta get used to, and we gotta make ourselves comfortable sitting across from Jesus in the, in the presence of our enemies. We see enemies when we want to go back to easier days, to green pastures, right? But no, he says, I'm going to prepare a table before you in this place. I'm going to lock eyes with you. I'm going to speak my truth over you. And, and all these enemies around you, they're going to become irrelevant when you realize and you listen to what I say about you. That's what Jesus is saying to us. Lord sent us here for a reason and we carry him, him inside of us and his authority with us wherever we go. We want to be transformed by his goodness and his mercy so that we're no longer afraid of what the enemy can do. It said G- Jesus, um, there's a verse, I, can't, I didn't put it in here, it says Jesus seeing um, that the people were, were harassed like sheep without a shepherd was moved by compassion for them. This ministry is a ministry of compassion, right? We care for people because Jesus cares for them. We let the goodness of God transform our lives so we have compassion for those around us. And even when that feeling of compassion runs out, we're still going to do it because we love Jesus and he told us to do it. Because sometimes when we get in this ministry, it's hard. You're going to come face to face with a lot of hard things and it's not always going to go out on the first prayer. It might take 10 hours. (laughs) might take 10 sessions. might take years to get every single thing out. But through compassion, we sit with people and we, we bring the kingdom to every part of their lives. That Greek word sozo that Chris Marsman talked about a few weeks ago, sozo means healing, wholeness, salvation, deliverance. Sozo happens in that battle in the spiritual realm. where we're advancing the kingdom, kingdom into places where it's not yet been established. We're establishing the, Lord, the lordship of Jesus in people's lives. That's what this is about. In Hebrews 10, it says, Jesus is waiting for his enemies to be brought under his footstool, right? Who's, who's bringing them under his footstool? The Father is, and we are. We, we have his ministry, his body carries his ministry and so we're bringing his enemies under his footstool and when we do that Jesus can come back and finish off death so the reason he hasn't come back yet might be because we're not putting the enemies under the footstool so if you want to you want to join me in, in making that happen quicker let's do it <laughs> there's no shame or condemnation if we come across a need for deliverance in a friend or a brother or sister there's no shame at all okay Again, we're on a battlefield, right? And what has happened is, our, you know, Daniel's with me, and we're, we're on the battlefield every day of our lives, and maybe I've taken a bullet by the enemy, and, and the enemy's trying to take me captive and pull me out, and Daniel's going to come along saying, hey, man, you just got hit by that. I'm going to be a medic right now, and I'm going to fight off the enemy, and I'm going to be a medic and bring healing to you. I'm going to cast that demon away. 
You know, that's what we're doing. We're on a battlefield. That's the reality of it. He's not going to be like, oh, man, you got a demon. I'm not going around you. No, that's not what he's going to do. So there's no shame at all. There's no condemnation. And if there is, that's from the enemy. So don't listen to it. We should actually run to our friends in need. We should run to them. We know that it's God's joy to bring healing. It's his good pleasure to bring, to give us the kingdom, right? All right. If we aren't preaching the whole kingdom message, which includes casting out demons, we're not preaching the whole kingdom message. His love, his power is supposed to be shown and demonstrated through his body, his church. So rather than go deeper in the ministry of deliverance itself this morning, I want you guys to focus on the fact that Jesus instructed his disciples to cast out demons as they went. Remember at this point in Matthew, in Matthew 10, they didn't have all the teaching and understanding and power that they carried after Pentecost. So when we read the book of Acts, right, that's not where these guys were at, right? This is the beginning of the three and a half years in Matthew 10. They're not there yet. They're not in Acts yet. Jesus gave them a little bit of authority and said, go try it out. Go do it. And so as far as we know, all they knew how to do was cast out demons in the name of Jesus. They didn't know the ins and outs of all the ministry. And, but it worked, right, for the most part. And the only time that it didn't work was because they hadn't spent enough time and in intimacy and prayer with the Father to know their identity and the authority that they actually carried. Jesus says it only comes out by prayer and fasting. I think that Jesus carried the lifestyle of prayer and fasting. We see that he goes and talks with the Father every day, right? And if they had done that, I believe they would have been able to cast that demon out. They lacked the faith. They didn't know the level of authority they carried. So all, we, all you, you and I need to learn is the authority that we carry to do this, do this ministry in the church, inside and outside the church. If you don't know your authority, it can be a little hard to cast out a demon, especially when it's staring back at you and it's you know, making somebody crawl on the ground. That could be a little scary if you don't know your authority. So I'm going to share a couple stories before we go forward. So um, Putty Putman, he's the guy who runs our School of Kingdom ministry. Um, he was with, he was at a, co- a conference seminar um, north of Dayton in Springfield that I got to go to with this guy named Ken Fish. Ken Fish is the guy who kind of made the integrated healing model that we use in Sockham and in the vineyard. Ken is a longtime vineyard pastor, worked with John Wimber. I have never seen somebody so good at deliverance ministry as Ken Fish. Like, this guy is a surgeon. He's done it for 40-plus years. And, and there's a seminar that my friend Luke and I went up to, and I didn't even know it was a, a, a deliverance-themed like <laughs> weekend, but it was, so that was kind of crazy for my friend because he hadn't experienced that before. But during the ministry time, they had some words of knowledge. They called... Um, they you know, shared those things, people who want freedom. And there's probably 30 people, it was a larger church, 30 people lined up in front. And it went from like, just, you know, worship, you know, having a good time, to like open battlefield, like every single, like 29 out of 30 were on the ground, you know, manifesting in the most extreme ways I've ever seen in my whole life. And, and for the next hour, Buddy and Ken went to each one 
and, and prayed and commanded and cast out and drove out demons and these people. And it was one of the most intense, powerful experiences that I've ever been in. And it made me hungry f- to see the power of God bring freedom to people's lives. And when I first encountered a demon, I was also with that friend, Luke. Oh no, that was a different friend actually, Sam. And we were um, like really early high school. I'd seen weird things myself, but I didn't necessarily say there were demons. This was the first time like I'd been with somebody and we both together saw the same thing like in the spirit or right there it was physically manifesting. We had watched this movie, which wasn't probably even a bad movie itself, but there's just something weird connected to it. So we were, he was spending the night at my house and something we saw come in through our window and just kind of like there, it was like this evil, evil presence. Can't even describe it, but it grabbed my shoulder and I couldn't move. I was scared, like, like couldn't move. I was like, Sam, do you see this? He's like, yeah, I see it. <laughs> like, the lights are out, but we could both see it. I'm like, what do I do? He's <laughs> like, I don't know, turn the light on. And they say, Jesus' name. <laughs> you know, as we did it, that thing left right then and there. I don't know what it was, never came back. That's good. Much later in high school, the same friend, Sam, and another friend, um, we were together and praying for our, our older friend. And uh, it was like this thing that had been going on in his life. Um, he got healing for all these things in the past that came from his past. But then and there was this like rage demon thing that had taken over him. And he, um, he knew it was there. And he, he wanted us to pray for him. But he was physically like grabbing the bathroom sink and like mad face red. Like it was taken over and he was about to pull the sink out of the wall. Um, and Sam and I just took time together, we just said, you know, commanded that thing out, and it left. Um, so I was like, didn't even know what to do, just, well, Jesus said, tell it to leave, so we told it to leave, and it left. Those are a little more extreme, I guess. Just last week, I was coming out of Skyline, um, and there were some people in line at the window to get some food, and as I, as I was walking out the door, walked around the pillar, and this guy in line, he just started looking at me and started saying the worst stuff ever. Just like cursing me and saying words that I, like, I don't know this guy at all. Like, he was mad for some reason. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, that's, that's a demon. Like, it's just talking through him. And I was like, well, there you are. <laughs> don't bother me. I was like, have a good day, sir. <laughs> that was it. Like, he stopped. He st- shut up. The demon did, not the man. Like, um, that was just like a, a random little thing. Um, we did a night watch trip a couple years ago. Linda and I were in, North, we were in North Carolina with some other people in this room. We were doing late night ministry on the streets and in North Carolina. And it's kind of like this surreal moment where people, like there's a busy town, downtown area, and people over here praying for people and ministering, giving out water bottles. And like I see this woman, she's far off, She's like beelining it straight for me. I'm like, what is this one? She's coming straight for me. Eyes locked. I'm like, oh. And she comes up and I was like, hey, how you doing? You know, can I pray for you? What's going on? I, I, she was from the Caribbean. Um, so she had that accent. And I was like, oh, hey, Lynn, you want to come pray with me for her? And so she came up. And so, yeah, always pray with friends. Like, if you have somebody with you, pray. With you, like, two is better than one every time. So I got Lynn to come, especially if you're praying for somebody of the opposite sex. Got my wife to come. We prayed for this lady. She started manifesting. There were some serious things that were going on in her life. She actually told us about curses that had been placed on her life from witch doctors back home 
Um, and she didn't have money. She wanted to be with her kids, but she couldn't. She couldn't get the money. She couldn't get back home. So she was asking for money, first and foremost. But then we were like, hey, we don't have money. Like, can we pray for you? Um, she said yes. So she started sharing this stuff. And then as we started praying for her, she went through this weird thing of like, because she had been saved. She had given her life to Christ. But she was going like between like praying in tongues and then manifesting this demon, like back and forth. So like the internal battle was happening actually inside of her where her spirit, who was saved, you know, had the Holy Spirit with her, was praying in tongues as this thing was demonically attacking her. And so we broke off the curses. We cast that thing out. Um, she felt completely better. She came back normal, like looked like herself again. She felt a lot better. She left. She said, thank you. She left. Then she came back about 45 minutes later, and she had, somebody had given her all the money she needed to go back home. It's pretty, pretty incredible. Most of us get involved casting out demons um, through a story like that, you know? We're just going about our day, and something happens, and <laughs> we need to, you know, take the authority in the name of Jesus. And so we don't do it perfectly. We might make mistakes, but if we don't do anything, uh, it's not going to be good. So we, we got to do it. Jesus desires all, all of his all of his people to, to live in freedom. The Father wants us to live in freedom, unbound from the schemes of the enemy. Even if they don't know their sons and daughters yet, he wants them to be free. So that's part of what we're called to do. So to help you visualize, we're going to do an activity. But can you just pull up that uh, you in Christ image of there? All right, this is something we use in our School of Kingdom ministry. I'm not going to read all those verses here, but... In these verses, it talks about us in Christ. We are in Christ. We're seated with Christ. We're seated in Christ, with Him in heavenly places. I'm in you, you're in me, we're in Him, right? And in the spirit realm, we are seated right in the middle of Christ. And so as we interact with the Father, the Holy Spirit, Satan, demons, we go through Christ. And they go through Christ when they see us. So when the Father interacts with us, He interacts with us like Jesus, right? When the Holy Spirit interacts with us, he interacts with us like he did with Jesus. When the enemy comes against us, he has to go through Jesus first. You understand that? In the spiritual realm. That we relate to the Father and the Holy Spirit with the same love, passion, and power as with Jesus When we come against Satan, demons, and other spiritual beings, we do it clothed in the radiance and authority of Christ. That means when the enemy comes against us, he has to go through Jesus. In the natural realm, in the next picture, there, Christ is in us, right? In the natural realm, he's living inside of our hearts. Christ moves and works through us in relationship with family, friends, and everyone we meet. In our workplace, in our finances, through sickness, through situations and circumstances, it's Christ in us that works through those things in the natural realm. As we minister healing, deliverance to brokenness and sickness. So with this in mind, we're going to do an activity to kind of remind us of the reality that we're in Jesus and Jesus is in us. So could everybody stand up? And put your hands out like you're receiving a gift. All right. So Father, I thank you. 
thank you for today right now. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives, God. And I ask right now that you would fill this place with your spirit right now. Bring wisdom, bring revelation, bring understanding, God. Bring the truth of Christ in us and us in Christ. Thank you, God. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would baptize every single person, again, in your truth and in your love and in your power right now. God, I ask for a fresh revelation that Christ in them is the hope of glory. God, right now I ask that you would, you would just release a fresh experience of the Father's love for them right now. Just like you love Jesus, Father, that you would show that same love and we would actually feel that same love right now. Holy Spirit, we want to relate to you the way you related to Jesus when he was on the earth. You're the same Holy Spirit. You've been poured out on every single person here, God. We expect to see you move the same way that you moved with Jesus. We give you freedom. We give you space to do that, God. So right now, I just release Jesus living within each and every person here to have full expression God, I ask for power encounters for each and every one of them right now. Just like you gave authority to the disciples, give authority right now to your people to do your ministry, God. Just release faith right now to walk in the same authority, to carry the name of Jesus right now. We just drive out fear right now in the name of Jesus. We stand up as those in your army for the mission that you have for us, God. To walk in compassion and love and power. In every area of our lives, we say yes to you, Jesus. Amen.